I came across this, um, this funny quote, um, which I thought I'd share this morning. It says this, if I had to describe myself using one word only, it would be, doesn't follow directions. <laughs> if that's, uh, some of you took a little while to figure that one out. <laughs> if that's you, then I want to suggest that you're probably the kind of person when you go to Ikea, uh, you come back with your package, and the first thing you do when you open up the box is you discard the directions. Because you've assembled a thousand Ikea pieces of furniture before, and you're very familiar with things, and, and you normally get it right. But every now and then, when you tackle an Ikea project, they throw in a bit of a curveball, and you get left with about two or three nuts and bolts and maybe a couple of screws. But you know what? That's not important. If it looks good, the cabinet looks great, it seems to be functioning fine, and if it breaks down the road, well, we'll worry about it at that point. I'm the absolute opposite. I mean, if that's one end of the, of the extreme, I'm the absolute opposite. I am the quintessential rules keeper. So when I come back from Ikea, the first thing I do is I vacuum the floor to make the nice, clean workspace. I carefully open up the box. I lay out each of the pieces of wood. You wouldn't have ever imagined me to be this way, would you? Uh, uh, nice little piles of, of, of the exact same nuts and bolts and screws so that I can easily access them. And of course, the directions that are super close so that I can access them at, at any time. I wouldn't exactly say I have fun but fun is not really the point, is it? The point is making sure the cabinet is well made. Deb sometimes comes to me and she says, uh, you know, she tries to interrupt me and I'm like, I'm, I'm focused. Don't interrupt me. This isn't a serious, a serious task. And she often says to me, well, if you're not going to have fun doing it, is it actually worth doing it anyway? But that's another argument for another time. I think there are, there's another kind of IKEA shopper and that is the IKEA shopper who absolute wants nothing to do with the construction of the furniture whatsoever. So you see it in the store and you want to see it exactly like that in your bedroom or in your living room. And so to that end, you typically employ the services of an expert, like a friend or a family member or someone who likes doing it. Or there are apparently even professional IKEA furniture builders that you can pay money to to come and do this. I know it's a kind of a funny little scenario, but it got me thinking that I think when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, sometimes those three categories will quite easily transfer over to the gifts of the Spirit. There are those that are very comfortable with the gifts of the Spirit, those that are very familiar with the gifts of the Spirit, those who don't often need to or feel they don't often need to refer to the instruction manual, as it were. Because when they minister in the gifts of the Spirit, there seems to be the life of God, and God is, abs is absolutely present. But sometimes when we don't refer to the instruction manual, down the road, the fruit or the effectiveness is not always as evident. There are others who are, from a good heart, are so determined to keep the word of, of God that they squeeze out the very life of God. There are those that are, instead of catching the heart of what God is trying to communicate in his word, follow the absolute letter of the law. I've literally had a conversation with somebody who told me that they are very comfortable with the fact that sometimes when God's power moves, it causes us to sometimes fall over. But they said this to me. They said the Bible never refers to anyone falling over backwards or sideways, only forwards. And so if anyone falls backwards under the power of God, that cannot, cannot be God and must be from the devil. 
That's taking the letter of God's word and applying it so tightly that we squeeze the life of God out of it. I think there are others who don't fall in either of those categories, but, but want to see the gifts in, in operation, but believe the gifts aren't for them. And they'd rather employ the services of the paid professionals. Those that are in ministry, those that do the work of ministry, and we're going to talk a little bit later how, what defines that, but let's leave it up to the paid professionals. But friends, as I reminded us last week, every single one of us sitting here in the auditorium is in full-time ministry. The only difference is who pays your salary. But every single one of us are in full-time ministry. If you haven't realized, we're in a, in a series called Eagerly Desired, where uh, uh, over the next kind of nine or ten weeks, we are generally looking at the life and ministry of the Holy Spirit, but very specifically looking at, this, at the gifts of the Spirit, how you and I, every single one of us who call church in the city home, how you and I can begin to operate and function and flow in the gifts of the Spirit more effectively. Last week, I started off the series by, by speaking about what it looks like to, to live a life that is empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit. I made this very important comment. I, I said that it is impossible for the church of Jesus Christ to impact a dying world with a lifeless Christianity that is void of the power of God. Or, can I add, a Christianity that is not based on the truth of God's word or centered around the person of Jesus Christ. I would even put it to you that a Christianity without the power of God and a Christianity that is not based on the absolute truth of God's word and a Christianity that is not centered around the person of Jesus is actually not Christianity at all. Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 16, he says, it is better for, for me to go I need to move on. It's for your advantage that I go so that the counselor, so that the Holy Spirit can come. Think about that. Jesus, the person, the very, the, the, the very uh, human embodiment of, 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 of God, the, the eternal God, is saying to us, saying to his disciples, it's better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And Peter attests to that in Acts chapter 2. After the, the Spirit of God is poured out in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter says these words about Jesus. Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and he has poured out what you now see and what you hear. I love that picture that, that, that Lane brought about the, the flood of God because so often I think we, we, um, we minimize the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit to, to a little bit of fuel when I'm running a bit low or feeling a little bit empty or a little bit of spiritual Gatorade when I'm in, I'm in need. And I want to say, friends, the Holy Spirit is so much more than that. When you and I are, are baptized or filled with or, or plunged into the person of the Holy Spirit, we have access, the, 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 well, the, the, the eternal well of life is made available to us this side of eternity. We don't have to wait for eternity to live an eternal life. We have access to the very power and presence of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. God has made good on his promise to Moses when he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But today what we're going to do is within this series, Eagerly Desired, we're going to do a, a three-part, very kind of teaching intensive time over the next three Sundays 
looking very specifically at the spiritual gifts. And so if you have a Bible, or maybe not, you can just follow along in the slide. Um, we, we're going to look at a few scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says this. He says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant, or sometimes that word can be translated uninformed. About spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed. If, if I were to be honest, I, unfortunately, I would have to say, by and large, the church in general, by and large, is probably most ignorant and most uninformed when it comes to this issue of spiritual gifts. I had an incredible encounter, a fascinating encounter with a, a, a very well-known uh, a, a church leader here in the city who leads a, a very prominent and very uh, a, a successful, uh, um, very large church, an amazing church. And this gentleman and I were having breakfast at Yoke on, on Wells and um, Chicago a couple years ago. And he had recently visited a church in the city for one of our Sunday meetings. And he says this to me. He says, he says Steve, church in the city fascinates me. You guys are open and into the things of the Spirit but yet you preach the gospel according to God's word. How do you, how do, you do that, you know? It was a genuine question. And I said to him, I said, I, I honestly don't see any other way in scripture but to be open to the power of God, but also to teach God's word. And he says to me, he says, but why whenever I encounter the gifts of the spirit, whenever people come to me with the prophetic word, it's always harsh or it's always, it's always mean-spirited or it's always speaking about our church's doom and gloom. And I said to him, I said, uh, I'm trying to avoid his name as best as possible so as not to. So I, I said to him, I said, um, I, I said, but 1 Corinthians chapter 14 tells us that prophecy is for our exhortation and for our comfort and for our strengthening. And he says to me, he says, where does it say that? Now, I don't for a moment think that this gentleman didn't read 1 Corinthians 14, but I do believe, and this is, in, this is not a knock on him, it's just indicative of, I think, where the church is at. He was so uh, caught up in his way of, of teaching, the, the church culture that he grew up in, he probably glossed over 1 Corinthians 14 and what it was trying to get at. And so literally, right there in Yoke, me and this gentleman who, who I honestly look up to, we're sitting there doing a Bible study in 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm teaching him about prophetic and the gifts of the Spirit. And this is the point I'm trying to make. I think, friends, so much of the church are, are find themselves nervous of the gifts either because of the upbringing that we have. We come from a church culture or a church background which has taught us that the gifts of the Spirit aren't for now. Or, on the other hand, we've been hurt by people trying to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. People who have, who have manipulated us or people who are clearly operating in the flesh or people who have false motives or, or who are insecure and prideful and haven't been wise in their execution or administration of the gifts. Can I say this just for a moment about the issue of being hurt? The correction for abuse is not no use, it's correct use. The correction for abuse is not no use, it's correct use. And at times when, 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 when people, uh, this side of eternity, can, can I just say, there is going to be the illegitimate. This side of eternity, there are going to be, be people who at times are going to minister or, or, or trust to minister out of a place of manipulation or control or flesh. 
And as tempting as it is for us to completely discard all of the gifts of the Spirit, because it's going to be so much safer, could I suggest that our responsibility rather is to train ourselves in the Word of God so that we can identify that which isn't of God, put it aside, and be able to focus on that which is clearly God's Word. I found myself this week, uh, just uh, Thursday, I developed plantar fasciitis, which if you don't know what that is, basically it's bruising of the heel. And, and I'm, a, I'm a big baby when it comes to being hurt. And I've been limping around the last few days, just in absolute agony, although it's not that bad. But here's the point. Have, have you noticed that when you hurt yourself, your whole body is affected? And I think there are people here walking around with, walking through life, carrying baggage and hurt from people not being fair or, 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 or not administrating the gifts wisely. And I want to trust with Matt and with, 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 the, with the leadership team that God would touch and heal you this morning of that. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, different ways that we can serve the body, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. There are various tasks that we can do, but the same God who works all of them in all men. The New Testament mentions six different times. It lists out various gifts or spiritual gifts, gifts of the Spirit. But very clearly, as we're going to see today, there are three very distinct groups of gifts. There are gifts given by the Father, gifts given by the Son, and gifts given by the Holy Spirit. But before we carry on, can I just say, the Father, when He gives gifts, never operates in independence to the Son or the Spirit. And neither does the Son operate in independence from the Father or the Spirit, or the Spirit in independence from the Father and the Son. Every single gift is originated from the will and desire of the Father. Every single gift finds its establishment and power in the person of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, those gifts are given for us to glorify His name and advance His kingdom. And every single gift needs to be administrated and empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. So although the gifts are diverse and broad, and in that text that we looked at, 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, you'll notice Paul mentions gifts, service, and works displaying the various ways that God ministers to us. Although diverse and broad, all the gifts are in service to one Lord. It's for the purpose of exalting one king and advancing one kingdom. And that kingdom is not mine nor church in the cities. The kingdom is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's why he's given us gifts, not to serve, not to exalt the name of this body, but to exalt the head of this body, Jesus Christ. So very quickly, ministry gifts. Ministry gifts are those gifts, we're going to study ministry gifts next week, but I need to put this, the, the, the grace gifts into context. Ministry gifts are those gifts that are given by Jesus to his body for our maturity or for us coming into the wholeness of who he is. We don't turn there, but behind you, you'll, there'll be a text. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Let me read it. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for the work of service, to prepare, God, prepare God's people for the work of ministry. We are God's people. 
The work of ministry is not done by the paid professionals. The work of ministry is done by you and I, the body of Jesus Christ, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Jesus gives the gifts. The gifts in this case are leaders, skilled servants. Why have they been given? To bring the church into maturity. How long do we have these gifts for? You see, some people argue that pastors and teachers are for today, Evangelists make us a little nervous unless they're Billy Graham, so evangelists, okay, but apostles and prophets, absolutely not. And I want to say that text does not allow for that, because that text says apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists until we reach unity in the faith and maturity in the body of Christ. The church has not yet reached maturity, and therefore... All five gifts are necessary and needed to bring us into maturity. More about that next week. The second set of gifts are the gifts given by the Holy Spirit. These are expressions or manifestations of God's power given by the Holy Spirit to make God's nature and His will known to His people. Gifts of the Spirit given to make God's nature known. God is power. God is love. God is compassion. These gifts make God's nature and God's will. His desire to heal. His desire to save. His desire to speak into our lives and to, and to reveal the hope and the future and the plans that He has for us. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, Now to each one, the manifestation, the expression of the Spirit is given for the common good. Given for the benefit of the body. And, and two weeks from now, we'll go through the nine manifestation gifts that Paul mentions. Gifts of power, healing and miracles and faith. Gifts of knowledge, words of wisdom and prophecy. Uh, knowing gifts, wisdom and knowledge and discernment. Power gifts, faith, healing, miracles, speaking gifts, tongues, interpretation and prophecy. We're going to look at that in a, in a few weeks. But for the rest of the time this morning, I want to spend some time looking at what is often an overlooked group of gifts, certainly in, within churches that are open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And these are called grace gifts, gifts that are given by the Father, a means of, of demonstrating His goodness and His grace through supernatural yet very practical abilities. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 6 says this, we have different gifts now in each instance, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, the word gift in each of those instances is a completely different Greek word. And in the context of Romans 12, the Greek word in this instant for gift is the word, is the word charisma, which means a spiritual endowment, which, which means a, a, a supernatural gift. It means something that is not earned but given freely. We have different gifts according to the grace. That word grace is linked to the word gift. Grace is the word charis. Gift is the word charismata. Do you see the link? The link is God is pouring out his grace, his unearned favor upon us. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to us. 
First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administrating God's grace in its various forms. Quite simply, these are gifts that we see on display, evidences of God's grace, quite simply, when those who are called and graced to lead are given the freedom to lead. And those who are called to serve are given the freedom to serve. And those who are called to administrate are given the opportunity to administrate. These gifts are often innate within us. We were often aware of these gifts even before we were saved. But when we came into relationship with Jesus, these gifts became empowered and redeemed. And when the Holy Spirit came upon us, they were supernaturally energized. That's the release of God's grace. People sometimes refer to them simply as strengths or abilities. God's unique grace expressed through each of us for His glory. I want you to imagine for a moment the three different groups of gifts, the three uh, the gifts by the Holy Spirit, gifts by Jesus, and gifts by the Father. I want you to imagine those uh, as three different streams. We've been speaking about rivers today, or God seems to be speaking about rivers today. So let me use that analogy. Three different streams that are flowing into the life of the church. Church leaders love to control how the life of God comes into the church. And can I just say that's not a good thing. We should be allowing God to control how the life of God comes into his church. But church leaders all over the world can, can very comfortably in their own mind define which of the three streams they want flowing into their church and which of the three streams they don't want any part of. And they'll defend it to the hilt. There are churches that many of you know who are not open to apostles and prophets, the ministry gifts, and certainly are not open to tongues and interpretation of tongues, the manifestation gifts. But when you go to those churches, you sense something of the life of God. Have you been in those churches? The reason why you sense the life of God is because they have opened up the gate through which the grace gifts flow powerfully. They love the gift of mercy and administration and helps and giving and generosity. And the grace of God is flowing powerfully in that church but the other two are closed. Likewise, we can get churches that love apostles and prophets and yes, are all about healing and miracles, but don't talk about the grace gift of leadership because the Bible doesn't talk about leadership. We're all called to lead and certainly the gift of administration is not for today because administration just shuts out the Holy Spirit. Friends, could I suggest that we don't have the liberty to pick and choose which gifts we want? The Bible teaches we should be open to apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And we should desire to see the Spirit of God administrating the prophetic and healing and signs and wonders. And we need to be celebrating those gifted in acts of service and mercy and administration and leadership. Because those are all three legitimate expressions of the power of God in and through a local church. Romans chapter 12. The text will come up behind you. We're going to quickly read a couple of passages, and then I'm going to land it. If you guys have got 10 more minutes, we should be finished. I don't even know why I say that, because inevitably I'm wrong. But I'm going to do my best to keep it within the next 10 minutes. Romans 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ... 
We who, we who are many form one body. There's the context for the gifts. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a person's gift is prophesying, let them use it in proportion to their faith. If it is serving, let them serve. If it is teaching, let them teach. If it is encouraging, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do so cheerfully. Here's the motivation for the gifts. Love must be sincere. Be, de- be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Paul mentions seven gifts, grace gifts, in that particular text. The gift of, of, of prophecy. Prophecy is an interesting one because as we're going to see next week, prophecy pops its head up again in the, in the manifestation gifts and in the ministry gifts. But the grace gift of prophecy is simply those who have been graced by God to operate in the prophetic. Serving, those who have a grace to invest their time and talents in, in, in the support of others. Teaching, those who have a, a grace to unpack the truth of God's word. Encouraging, those who have a grace to support and encourage each, each other through word and deed. Giving, a grace to give generously of time, talents, and treasures. Leadership, a grace to influence and lead others into the call of God. Mercy, a grace to identify needs and express compassion, but also a grace to do something about it. For the sake of time, let's move on. First Peter chapter 4. Above all else, Paul, uh, Peter writes, above all else, love each other. Right there, friends, is the context, the body of Christ, and the motivation for the gifts, love. Love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Two additional gifts, the gift of hospitality, those who have been graced to use uh, 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 their their time, talents, and resources to, to bless others, typically by having them in their home. The gift of speaking, to clearly communicate God's heart to others. 1 Corinthians 12. I know I'm rushing through this, but we are short of time. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 28 is a fascinating passage of Scripture. Because in this passage of Scripture, Paul seems to jumble up the various kinds of gifts. You'll see it as we read. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Right there, Paul is mentioning three ministry gifts. Then workers of miracles, and those having gifts of healing, manifestation gifts. But then he comes to those able to help others, those with the gifts of administration, those speaking in different kind of tongues, once again, manifestation gifts. Two more kinds of gifts, helps to recognize and meet the needs of others, and administration to devise plans and strategies to get us from point A to point B. And Johnson, by the way, has the, has an an overextended to the glory of God gift of administration right there. The last group of gifts, and we're not going to turn there, and I know this is an Old Testament passage, but I want to encourage you, go and read Exodus 31. 
Because Exodus 31 talks about God pouring out His Spirit upon jewelers, upon metalsmiths, upon craftsmen and women. People with the gift to create, to create music and to create art. Before we get into some practical application, I want to make one point of clarity. It is very often taught in the church that these 12 gifts are an exhaustive list of everything that is available to us. And I want to suggest, friends, that this is not an exhaustive list. This is an illustrative list of what God can do. I did some research uh, this week, and I found out that up until now, there are 1.5 million known species of animal or animals in the world, and 10,000 new species of animals is being added to that list every year. Would a creator as creative as that limit the expression of his goodness and grace through 12 gifts to the pinnacle of his creation, humankind? I would say no. Friends, don't be limited to these 12 uh, 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 gifts that I mentioned. It's just showing an illustration of what God can and will do. John chapter 21, speaking of Jesus' miracles, says this. Jesus did many other things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And I will suggest, friends, if God had to list every kind of gift through which he has given to his people, this Bible alone would not be big enough to contain the unique expressions of God's grace. Each one of us have the fingerprints of Jesus all over us. Let's look for him to show us and reveal what those gifts are. All right, five minutes, let's give uh, six points of application, and then I'm going to hand over to Matt. Let's get very practical. We're going to bring this into land. I want to give you some handles that you can go away with and you can pray. You can start to apply some of these truths in your life. In your life. Number one, please settle this. Please remember, everyone is uniquely gifted. Every single one of us is uniquely gifted. And can I say, friends, we need to learn to give ourselves time to discover what those unique gifts are. I mentioned earlier that many of the gifts are innate within us, but my call to, to, to give leadership never found expression outside of Jesus Christ. I was, and, and at times still am, a very timid and reluctant leader, but only as I discovered who I was in Jesus did I discover the gift of leadership that he had put on my life. So don't just say, well, I didn't know about it, therefore it can't be God. No, the best place for you to discover the gifts is not through some spiritual gift finder online. And I'm not knocking those things, and they can be helpful, but the best place for you to discover your gifts is in relationship to the one who gave you the gifts. Spend time in prayer. Spend time asking the Father. Chat to your friends. Speak to leaders. Sometimes we discover the gifts through trial and error. I'm going to give this a go. You know what? Children's ministry is not for me, or whatever, for example. And Jesse's probably going to shoot me for saying that because, you know, anyway, let me stop there. We don't have time. Everyone is uniquely gifted. Secondly, the ultimate purpose of the grace gift is to serve others and to glorify Jesus. Friends, these gifts are not given to create a platform for our ministry. These gifts are not given so that we can puff ourselves up and show each other how impressive we are. Paul writes, uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve 
others so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. When you and I function in the grace gift God has given, the person that we minister over is is blessed and refreshed and Jesus is glorified. Number three, the context of the grace gifts is always the body of Christ. Now what I mean by that is we don't function in the gifts of God in isolation from relationship with one another. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, the hand cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you. And so friends, I want to say, the prophet cannot say to the administrator, I have no need of you. And the leader cannot say to the one who operates in the gift of mercy, I have no need of you. And the teacher cannot say to the person who has the gift of mercy, I have no need of you. Your grace gift, I hate to break this to you, is not the most valuable grace gift in the church. It is valuable in the context of the expression of God's grace that you bring alongside each other. But we never evaluate grace giftings and elevate some on the basis of the gift they bring. I have a gift to preach and lead. By virtue of that gift, I am a little bit more upfront than others. But my gift is not more valuable in the kingdom than Peck and Michelle's gift to incredibly host meetings and events like the ones we do on Sunday mornings. We never elevate people on the basis of gifts. It's like we, we value people for who they are, giving them space to minister in the context of that gifting. And while I'm saying this, can I say this? Please don't compare yourself to others. For me to stand up and to to teach out of Romans 12 is not that difficult under the grace gift of God because it's how he's graced me. For Gary to share his his faith, share Jesus with, with a stranger is not that difficult because that's how God has graced him. But so often we look and we go, oh my goodness, I could never do what Gary's called to do or I could never do what Steve's called to do. Well, I couldn't do what you're called to do because you're called to and graced in a particular way that's different to the way that I'm graced. Don't compare with others. Number four, actually I jumped, I jumped my notes. That was my next point. Number four, don't compare or don't judge others who are graced differently to you. Number five, remarkably, God doesn't remove these grace gifts from our lives. Now, this is an incredible mystery, but it's worth mentioning. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable, are never rescinded. You see, we've got to understand this, friends. Grace gifts are exactly that. They're given by the grace of God. They're not earned and they're not deserved. Now, they function and flourish greatest when we submit and surrender ourselves to Jesus. But the reality is, friends, God has given these gifts to us freely. Even if we were to walk away, there would still be an expression of that gift upon our lives. And I say that to say this, please just rest and be who you are or be who God's called you to be and allow those gifts to flow and to flourish. The last one, point number six, be faithful with your gifts. Practice the impartation. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, do not neglect your gift. 
I want to say to you, church, I want to say to me, don't neglect the gifts that are in you. Keep them dusted off and in well use. In fact, Paul goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 1, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. The last and perhaps the most important thing that I want to show you, and Kate, if you can put up the next slide, the one after that and the one after that. There you go. Please listen to this. When we function faithfully in the grace God has given us to serve others, when each of us function faithfully in the grace that God has given each of us to serve others, not only do we release God's grace to those we serve, but we are refreshed and recharged ourselves. And that's the great secret to the grace gifts. The great secret to the grace gifts, and God's been saying this all throughout the meeting, which way does the river of life flow? I want to be part of the river that is flowing from the throne of God through my life into others. I don't want to be operating in a way that is sucking people dry of life. That's not operating in the grace of God. I want to be somebody who is, who is tapping into the life of God, aligning my heart to the way God has made me and wired me spiritually and giving full expression to that life from his throne through my life, overflowing into the people around us, friends. And so we've got to ask ourselves the question, which way is God's life flowing in my life? How is God expressing life and liberty and grace and goodness in me and through me? And that gives us an indication of those grace gifts. And so I want to leave you with this question as we close this morning. I want to leave you with this last question. If you were me, if you were one of the elders in this church, but you also knew you as well as you do, how would you deploy yourself at church in the city to give maximum kingdom effect. If you were me and you knew yourself or you know yourself as well as you do, how should I deploy you so that you can give maximum effect to the kingdom of God, to God's grace and to God's goodness in and through this this local church? I want you to pray about that this week. I want you to think about it. I'm asking you please to think about that this week. And then I want you to literally blow my email inbox apart. I want you to send me ideas. I want you to send me things that God has been saying to you. I want you to send me dreams and visions and scriptures and and thoughts and possibilities of ways that you believe God may have gifted you, graced you to bring release and life through, through you into the life of others. I'm going to ask for some grace from you to go through those slowly. So don't expect an answer immediately. But over the coming months, I want us to explore and discover how has God uniquely graced us to advance his kingdom. Not lift up the name of church in the city, but lift up the name of Jesus. Can we all stand together? We're going to end in some prayer. I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to hand over to Matt. And I know he's got some ministry. The reason I'm asking every one of us to stand is because every one of us are uniquely gifted by God's grace. And that's literally the prayer I'm gonna pray this morning, that God would open up our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, so that we can see the flow of his life from his throne through our hearts in the unique expression he's given us into the lives of others. 
So if you're comfortable, would you mind closing your eyes? If you're comfortable to do this, maybe be in a posture of receiving. Maybe open your hands if you feel comfortable to do that. But just be in a posture of receiving this morning. Heavenly Father, as every single one of us are standing here as a sign of our submission and surrender to you, we stand, Lord God, acknowledging that you have graced every single one of us in a unique and glorious way. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for the gifts of administration, the creative gifts, gifts of art and music and songwriting. I thank you for doctors and lawyers and other professionals. I thank you for businessmen and women. I thank you for stay-at-home moms. I thank you for students. I thank you, Lord God, for those with the gift of mercy, those with the gift of generosity, with the gifts of administration, with the gifts of helps, those who can prophesy, those who can lead, those who can teach, those who can speak the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord God, for every other gift that we don't have even time to mention. I pray, Heavenly Father, for an outpouring of your river upon us this morning. May we align our hearts perfectly with yours. May we align our hearts perfectly with yours. Holy Spirit, would you flow through us? Would you flow through us so that we can see your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord Jesus. Your name exalted in the city, in Jesus' name. Amen.